And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everyone, this is Tim McMaster from the 2022 Winter Meetings in San Diego, California with your day one recap. The big news started early in the day with the Mets moving on from missing out on Jacob deGrom and agreeing on a two-year $86.6 million deal with Justin Verlander. I caught up with the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal to break down the deal. Last week, Will Salmon had an interesting article asking different executives which would they prefer, deGrom or Verlander. Now, we didn't know the terms of either deal at the time, the consensus was DeGrom, but I don't know if you compared the two deals now and you interviewed all those executives again, if they would have the same opinion. Right. Because the question is, over five years, how much will Jake DeGrom pitch? And the same question applies to Verlander. He turns 40 on February 20th, but coming off a Cy Young season, he pitched 175 innings. He, with Max Scherzer, should make the Mets a lot of fun next season. So... When you think about the Mets and him joining them, obviously, he's got a lot to play for, too, right? He wanted to go to a winner, but you look at the win total for his career, 244, I think, right now. I mean, 300, it would take a lot, but he's motivated. He is motivated. He's talked about pitching well into his 40s. He wants to establish a benchmark. He wants to get to 300. Now, whether he can do it or not, that remains to be seen, but... He's Justin Verlander. He came off Tommy John surgery to win a signing award at 39 years old. He has done things in his career, throughout his career, that other pitchers have not. So I don't bet against him. And that is part of the fun of watching a guy like this or watching a Scherzer, an accomplished player, any veteran like this. They have a history to them. They have a background. They have all of these things to follow. And again, for the Mets, who badly needed starting pitching, this is a huge move. It's funny you think back to Verlander and Scherzer in Detroit all those years ago, getting to the World Series, not winning the World Series. Now they'll try to do it together in New York. All right, big picture pitching market now. There's still big arms out there. Just kind of set us up for, for where this leaves us with the rest of the arms. Carlos Rodon is the next biggest one. And for the Mets, this was really important to get Verlander because if they had not, and the Dodgers were in until the very end, my understanding, then they would have been stuck trying to bid for Rodon, and it's going to take a lot. Scott Boris is Rodon's agent, and he's selling him big. And for the Mets, then that's fortunate. Now, there is an entire second tier of starting pitching. Tyone, Evaldi, a bunch of pitchers. Senga, the Japanese right-hander. They are going to fall next. I expect we'll see some of those pitchers sign at these meetings as well. And the Mets need more. So I would not be surprised to see them on Tyone, on Andrew Heaney, any of these names that we're talking about. But this is a big first step for them. 
Before the dust had settled on the Verlander news, the first domino fell in the shortstop sweepstakes. Dave Dombrowski adding another star in Philadelphia with Trey Turner agreeing on an 11-year, $300 million deal. Jason Stark and Matt Gelb have that news covered. Matt, some stuff is happening. (laughs) Stuff is happening. (laughs) The Phillies have agreed to a deal with Trey Turner for 10 11. 11 years. That's what I meant to say. For 11 years, $300 million. And just tell me what your reaction was when this news began to break. I mean, they got the guy they wanted. Like, this is the guy they wanted. They've wanted him, from what I understand, you know, since the summer. I mean, they started to identify the shortstop targets. They knew they were going to have a position of need there. There was four guys that were going to hit the market. And Trey Turner was the guy that they really liked, and they valued him over the other three. They liked the other guys. Turner was their guy, and it cost a lot. Like 11 <laughs> years is a lot, but I think the 11 years, that number was the number that they wanted. Like They, they are okay with the term being a little longer because that is what stretches out the annual average value, and that allows them to do a little more. This is what they did with Bryce Harper. They told him they I originally – you know, they had offered him like 16 years and their camp was like, no, that's too many. But they got to 13 and that yep. just lowered the AAV. And that is why maybe why they're able to sign Trey Turner now. I, I agree. And here's a little tidbit for you. There's been one free agent contract in history longer than Trey Turner's. And it was Bryce Harper's. Really? <laughs> so this is what the Phillies do now. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they believe that Bryce and Trey are still going to be dominating players in 2031 and 2033. They don't care about that. Here's what they care about, I think. Greatness. You know, if you've studied Dave Dombrowski through the years, what does he pay for? He pays for greatness. He's always looking for that guy who has something different about him something special about him, has a star power, and he's willing to pay for that. And doesn't it feel like he's got the perfect owner now to match the way he goes about it? Well, I mean, they got a taste of it in the postseason. And I think that ownership, once they got that taste, they want to do everything they can to get back there. And this deal, like you said, they don't care about 2031. This deal is about the next four to five years. And if they can win a World Series in the next four to five years, maybe two World Series in the next four to five years, then it doesn't matter what happens in the (laughs) remainder of that contract because there will be a flag or two flags flying. And I think uh, one thing about Dombrowski since he's taken over the Phillies, Jason, is that look at what he's done up the middle, right? There has been an intense focus up the middle. You know, he inherited Real Muto, but he became a free agent under Dombrowski, and then they signed him to a record contract for a catcher. They went out and traded their best prospect, hitting prospect, for a center fielder. They have now signed a shortstop to an 11-year deal, and they can move their rookie shortstop over to second base. They are demonstrably better up the middle right now than they were 12 months ago, 24 months ago. Is a huge thing. And now look up the middle. They're really good defensively now, too. And that's not something we say about the Phillies. <laughs> not what you just said. Not a coincidence. No. Um, let me ask you this. They talk to all four of these free agent shortstops. What do you think they saw in Trey Turner that separated him from the other three guys? I think they saw the athleticism. They see a guy who fits atop their lineup, which is a need that they had last year. I mean, they used Kyle Schwarber there a lot, and Schwarber liked being up there, and Rob Thompson liked keeping him up there, but he's not your prototypical leadoff guy. I think they look at the way the game is going with the new rule changes, and Jason, you've written about this a lot in The Athletic. 
Trey Turner is a guy who, yes, he is built, you know, he, his game is very much dependent on his speed and his athleticism. And that isn't going to last into his 30s. But right now, like for the next few years, this is going to, this game is going back to athleticism. It's going back to speed. Right. Trey Turner is that guy. Like he is that player. He just fits him in so many different ways. And uh, you touched on greatness and the importance of that. He, uh, you know, I think it was 1A and 1B with Carlos Correa. And I think they looked at Turner and they just, they, they liked the overall package better. And I think that's why they were willing to pay for him. Yeah. I, I, that's exactly what I see. Um, Trey Turner is a perfect fit because they need the offense with Bryce Harper out for two months, three months, whatever that might turn out to be. Speed is going to be such an important weapon in the game with the new rules. And who's got the most stolen bases in this whole sport over the last six years? It's Trey Turner. Uh, athleticism in the middle of the diamond is huge now with no shift. And Trey Turner brings you that. I mean, the, the metrics aren't perfect, but – um, there, there's just so much there that fits their team. I, I was just doing TV with uh, Steve Phillips, and he made a point that Kyle Schwarber hit all those home runs last year, right? 46, 31 solos. All right, now imagine with Trey Turner hitting in front of him, a former batting champ. Uh, it really changes the way their whole lineup functions, doesn't it? It, it does, and I think this idea of uh, – being able to, you're not going to be able to replace Bryce Harper, uh, his position. You can replace Bryce Harper though in different ways, and shortstop was their best way to do that. Uh, it, it's just funny how like this all played out. Like we knew they were going to sign shortstop, <laughs> and we knew that they kind of like Trey Turner, and they went and did it. I mean, they did it, you know, relatively early in an off season too. I mean, this is early by standards for a three hundred million dollar <laughs> contract. Usually, we don't see that until like February, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I think. What's going to be interesting is moving forward. The Phillies still have money. I mean, they have money to spend. Like they essentially took the AAV for Didi Gregorius and Gene Segura. Actually, it's going to be less than that. Like Trey Turner's AAV is less than the combined what they were paying Gregorius and Segura last year. And I know, obviously, like you know, that that's for eleven years. Right, it's for a long time. It's not just for one year. Stott will make under a million. Yeah, so. and 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 I think they're they'll still going to add some pitching. You know, they need another starter. I think that's pretty clear. Like a mid rotation type. It's not going to be Carlos Rodon. I think they're shopping more in the middle of the market. We've seen some movement there. So um, I think they're going to have a payroll that pushes toward $250 million, uh, for luxury tax purposes. And that's right, so going to be the highest this. payroll ever for the Phillies. Yeah. Okay. So the the first tax threshold is 233 Yes. <laughs> Blown by that one already. That, yeah. But the second threshold is 253 And yes. that carries some, some big penalties. It's not just tax rate. I mean, you start... Your, your international affects your international signing. Uh, it, it pushes you backward in the draft. Are we at the point where the John Middleton, Dave Dombrowski Phillies are so locked in on what it takes to win now that they can actually ignore that threshold too? No. <laughs> but they're, I think they're going to. word then. I think they're going to get real close to it. I mean, I think they're going to push 250. I, I really do. And they'll probably leave themselves a little bit of wiggle room for. Uh, a summertime trade, right? Uh, but I, I don't know. I look at them. Uh, a lot of this offseason is about capturing the momentum that they got in October and November, and that requires spending money in this case. They have some pitching prospects coming, but they don't have any hitting prospects right. of note in the right. higher minors, and that means they're going to have to pay for it. And did they pay a lot? Yeah. Is the end of the trade turn deal going to be ugly? Perhaps. But 
they're paying for the first five or six years. They have players in their prime. They have some younger pitchers coming. It's a pretty exciting time, I think, for the Phillies. I mean, and look, ownership has stepped up. I mean, they, they're going to have the highest payroll in club history next year. They are. And, you know, uh, I, I remember being on the field after the Phillies won the NLCS. And they were headed for the World Series. And John Middleton was on the field after that game. It felt like those 40,000 people, 43,000 people were still in their seats like a half hour later. And you could feel this energy in the ballpark. And I, I just got the feeling that the owner felt that energy and thought, this is what I'm paying for. I'm paying to connect with this fan base, with these people, and show them I'm in it the way you're in it, and I'm willing to put up the, the dollars that it takes to get this feeling. And, at, you know, there's not a lot of teams anymore or owners that think that way. No, and, and guess what? Like, we just, you know, we just went up to the suite, the Phillies suite, and we talked to Dave Dombrowski and Sam Fold and Rob Thompson just for a little bit, and they can't talk in specifics because <laughs> Trey Turner still has to pass his physical, so they're not allowed to comment on it. But in generalities, I asked them a question. I said, look, you've met with agents. You've met with a lot of different players. How often do you hear about people talking about, you know, watching the Phillies in the playoffs and seeing the energy and asking about what it was like and wanting to be part of it? And each one of them said, every single time yeah like that is a topic and that is something that they generated in october november it was so unexpected but it was real and it happened and it's time to take advantage of that and try to capture that momentum and very clearly they're committed to doing that they really are what a time to be alive in philadelphia (laughs) what a time to be matt gelb covering the phillies <laughs> does it look like you, you, you're you're living the dream you just don't know it Matt. um and so are we we're out hanging out here at the winter meetings in san diego um i hear it's beautiful outside we wouldn't know <laughs> because we're busy chronicling these moves for you looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All 30 big league managers are in San Diego, and some took some time to stop by our set. New Rangers skipper Bruce Bochy sat down to speak with the Athletics Rangers reporter Levi Weaver to talk about his return to the dugout, the club adding Jacob deGrom, and more. Hi, I'm Levi Weaver. I am here with new Rangers manager Bruce Bochy, who has come out of retirement to, uh, as, as you said earlier, hopefully lead the Rangers to a World Series. Bruce, what was the, the moment where you realized you wanted to come back to managing? You know, uh, Levi, I'd say when uh, Chris Young, our our general manager, uh, he came out, flew out to Nashville, and uh, we talked for about seven hours And uh, because I really didn't know. You know, I I knew I missed it. Uh, A lot lot about the game I missed. Uh, 
but still, I, I just said, man, for this to happen, uh, you know, it's got to be a place I'm, I'm going to be comfortable. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be the right fit. Well, after talking to him for seven hours, uh, you know, I told my wife, I said, I, I'm not going to have a better situation uh, than this. And uh, that's when I knew I wanted to get back in, get back in the dugout and uh, ha- have another chance at a run. You're taking a, a roster that has seen a lot of improvements over the last couple of years. After a, a long stretch of subtraction, they're on the way up. Team recently signed Jacob DeGrom. Can you kind of give us an overview of how you see the roster right now and maybe what, what pieces you still think you could stand to add before the season starts? Yeah, well, um, as I look at the roster, and I, I said this earlier, uh, it's not like we have a, a lot of holes. Uh, you know, you, if you look at the infield, I mean, we're pretty solid across the infield. I mean, I mean we could have every infielder win a silver slugger. That's, I mean, that's pretty impressive when you, you look at the uh, – that, uh, you know, including the young kid, Young, uh, at third base. But, you know, with Corey, Marcus, uh, of course, uh, Nathaniel just won one. And, dude, I mean, Jonah Heim, I mean, what, what he uh, did last year is pretty impressive. Uh, so he, it's kind of a breakout year for him. Then Garcia in right field, it's impressive. And uh, uh, Tavares can go get him. Uh, so I, I think if you look at uh, on the field, uh, you know, uh, we could be looking for maybe another outfielder somewhere to help out out there. Uh, maybe uh, provide you know uh, some length in our lineup. Uh, another bat. Uh, as far as the pitching, uh, we've gotten two starters now, and uh, we could still be looking uh, to improve there. I'm not saying we are, but uh, I think Cy. You talk to him; he, he's never going to stop trying to improve his ball club. And uh, you know, we got some nice pieces in the bullpen that we put together, but still want to add a couple more. Um, so um, I, I think you look at pitching as uh, still going to be a priority, possibly another bat. Uh, you, you don't know, but uh, I'm still working on the staff. I should men- mention them. I, you know, with Maddox there, that really filled a big hole. I, that, I was really happy that we were able uh, – to get him uh, back in the dugout because he was thinking about stepping down. And uh, so that, that excites me. When I talk to managers in the past, you know, from their first managerial job to their second, they go, I, I learned a big lesson in that first job that I took with me to the second. This is now your, your third major league team. It, is there anything that you take from those first two that now with the Rangers, you go, I'm going to, I'm going to tweak this and do this a little differently. Or is it more a case of like, Hey, this worked for me in San Diego. It worked for me in San Francisco. I'm, I'm going to stick with what I know. Well, I, I think you look at what works and, uh, uh, and, and stick with most of that. I mean, uh, uh, if it's gone well for you, uh, whether it's how you're dealing with players or, or uh, how you're running fundamentals, things like that. But you know what? And You never arrive in this game. You're, I'm still growing. I want to get better. And that, that's never going to stop. Hey, things have changed. Rules have changed. Things like that. So I need to adjust and uh, – uh, so it's a, the continuous learning thing that uh, that never stops. And uh, but uh, you know, for me, early in my years, I try to do it all myself. It took me a while to learn to, to delegate. And hey, you hire these coaches to do a job. You got you got to let them do it. Uh, and I've you know gotten so much better with that. And uh, but uh, it's all about listening too. I don't care if you're if you're the one making the decisions, a leader. You still want to listen, listen to players, listen to your staff, listen to uh, analytics, whoever it is, uh, because we're all working together. And uh, so I, I'd like to stay open-minded. I'm glad you mentioned the rule changes, last one for me, but not just the changes that are coming next season, but since you retired, they've also instituted the three 
batter minimum for relief pitchers. You are known for your bullpen mastery. How uh, does this change your strategy at all, or have yeah. you sort of how have you what thoughts have you given to that to that rule? Oh, it, it's it's changed uh, the strategy. It, I'll just give you an example. I had Javi Lopez. You know, Javi wasn't a guy that I would leave out there for three batters sometimes. Sometimes I would, you know, depending what the uh, situation was. But, you know, I can't say I totally agree with some of them, but it doesn't matter. i got to make them work, and uh, 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 it is part of the game. Just like now, this year, it's a throwing over. That's a big adjustment, you know. And But you know what? I really – don't mind because I think you get abused sometimes. Uh, managers will use it to give their pitcher time to warm up in the bullpen, and I didn't think that was right. So some of them I, I'm good with, uh, uh, but, you know, it's up to me, again, to just know them and, uh, and uh, also go back and see, you know, what worked in the minor leagues for these guys because they had to deal with it. I've talked to a couple uh, minor league managers already, just how they dealt with throwing over. You only get two times to step off or throw over. You know, because you know you get in a box there a little bit, and uh, it's it was I, I enjoyed my conversations when we talked about it. Bruce, thank you for your time. If we don't see you before, we'll see you in surprise. Hi, right, Levi. Good, good to see you. Thanks. Reds manager David Bell also stopped by to answer questions from the Athletics. See Trent Rosegrant. David, thanks for joining us uh, here. We're in lovely San Diego. You know, this is kind of. Do you look at this as kind of the start of next year or the end of last year? <laughs> That's a great question. I think uh, I was I was kind of focused on Thursday when the winter meetings was over, starting the off season. Yeah, <laughs> maybe taking a two week or so off season and then and then start uh, really planning uh, for spring training. Uh, you, know, you always say it's going to be important, but you know for us, there's a lot of change, new rules, all kinds of things to really start focusing on, and you know start reaching out to the players more often. So I think. Uh, I, couple months be the beginning of 2023 is that a couple of weeks yeah. Yeah, yeah is that something you almost look forward to because last year was already long how do you deal with a hundred loss season and coming back from losing 100 games yeah get to work um you know i think uh for us the the two months between the end the last game of the season and really today I've been dedicated to uh, doing a lot of interviewing and putting together, um, you know, the, the best staff we possibly can um, at this point uh, for our team. And it was, that was a big effort and uh, you know, we're really happy with the guys we got. Um, so I think work preparation, just throwing yourself into it really helps, uh, you know, not dwell on, on the past and not dwell on negative and, and really do everything you can to, to control what you can, and I think that's what we've done the last two months with the staff. Not to harp on this, but I guess I'm going to harp on this. Is there a difference between 99 and 100? There, you know, other than you know, every single game we play is so important, and 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 you know, treating it like like that is you know the only way to approach it. In the end, it it, it you know it is just a number. I, I you know for for us as a team, um, the goal isn't to to win 80 games it's not to win 82 games or 84 games our goal is to get to the playoffs so in the end i don't think we're going to look back and and think it made much of a difference uh once we get to where we're going all right give me your best joey vado story because you've got to have a million okay the best Joey vado story that you could tell on camera because i know there's two different of those wow oh uh, like 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I don't have one. There's too many of oh, them. Oh, you know, that's a cop out, David. No, this I don't. Is... Okay. You tell yours. Oh, you tell no, yours. no, no, no. I'm not telling mine. You tell yours. Okay. What was it like to bench Joey Votto? <laughs> so he told me I benched him. For me, it was a couple of days off, but he made sure I knew that it was a benching. He told me that several times that um, at first it was, you know, he was very unhappy with being benched. And then at some point down the road, I think he actually thanked, thanked me for, for benching him. <laughs> so, but uh, he was very clear about what it was. You know, Joey's a different guy. What was your like introduction to Joey? And how did you kind of, when you got the job, I guess you probably, you'd been around because you were in the Reds minor league system. He was already a big leaguer, but you'd been around him. How did you kind of approach a guy like that, a future Hall of Famer, to know that when you're managing and you're coming in? It did help a little bit. I I was in the Reds organization when he was a younger player. When I was a AAA manager, he came uh, down on a rehab assignment, and I got to spend a few days with him. Um, So that did help, but coming in, there's no question like with Joey being the player that he is having the, uh, the presence on the team, like, like he does, like that was a very important relationship for me as manager, especially in my first, first time managing. So, you know, I found early um, that the best way to develop that relationship with Joey is to, you know, it's just be very real, be very direct, be very honest, you know, obviously, you know, care about him and all that. That's important. And, and, uh, it's, it's really turned into, in my opinion, just a great relationship, a close friend, um, obviously a great player and all that, but just a great person. And um, I'm very grateful for the relationship we have. And, um, and, and, and it means a lot to me. Rob Butcher's getting us going. Okay. Last question. Best Bell big leaguer. <laughs> Who's the best big leaguer of the Bells? <laughs> That's... It's gotta be. It's gotta be a tie between Buddy and Gus. Yeah. Not David. <laughs> Not even close. Stay with us all week for more great content and to see the full videos of all this content. Subscribe to our new MLB YouTube page at YouTube.com/slash at the Athletic Baseball Show. I'm Tim McMaster. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.